0: and welcome to today's episode of Margaritas with Margarita Chang, CFP Pro. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, producer of the show on the Incandescent Radio Network and Incandescent TV. We know you are going to love today's guest. John O'Connell is the author of Rise of the Activist Investor. He has more than 29 years of leadership experience in emerging businesses and mature, established organizations. He started his career designing and developing financial applications at Merrill Lynch and KPMG Pete Marwick. He then transitioned from developing tech into sales and marketing while leading the financial services vertical for a company called Sybase. He was a member of the senior leadership teams for several startups, and then he returned to Merrill for a few years until its acquisition. But what we're going to talk about today is the rise of the activist investor. I can't wait to hear all about this. So take it away, Miss Rita.
1: Well, thank you, Hope. And John, thank you for being here.
2: Thank you very much for having me. So
1: we, of course, are going to talk about your book. I think the best place to start is what is an activist investor?
2: Excellent. Um, So an activist investor is someone who is... In not only just into the into the markets for the investing experience, but an activist investor really is investing in companies that they believe in and want to be able to change for the better. So there's a long history of activist investing, and I cover a lot of that in the book, um, some of which has got some good sides of it, some of which has some bad sides of those histories. Um, but what we're seeing today is this new class of investors that are really, really uh, taking more of an interest in the direction of the company. And those are activists. So as the, if you're investing in a company to help change that company and affect its direction, you're an activist investor.
1: Well, thank you so much for that. I think a lot of people when they think about activists, they might think, oh, well, is he talking about active investing versus passive investing? But an activist investor as opposed to a passive investor. So as you know, I did read the book. I think it would be helpful just to share what changes are coming together to cause um, a rise in activist investors.
2: Absolutely. I mean, if you, so the first thing you'd have to take a look at is look at all the social movements that happened in the past 10 years, right? Just this past decade alone, we've had an enormous amount of social movements. So we had, um, you You can take a look at Black Lives Matter. You can take a look at the Women's March, which was the largest a gathering or, you know, uh, activist investing gathering that has, that's occurred in history. You know, take a look at some of the LGBTQ rights that have come up. Um, Occupy Wall Street, it kind of all started with Occupy Wall Street, you know, in Zuccotti Park in New York City. But that started these social movements that we've seen in this past decade. We've seen more social movement in the past decade than we have in the past century. So think of all the investors that have grown up during that period, they've participated in these activist movements. They've followed these activist movements. They've believed in these activist movements. So you've got this new set of investors, this new rising class of investors that are very socially conscious, okay? Then you couple that now with the great wealth transfer, you know, the enormous amount of money you can, depending on which study you look at, you're going to look at, you know, anywhere between $68 trillion or even higher than that. There is an enormous amount of wealth that is now changing hands into these younger investors. Okay. Couple that last piece of it with their lack of access to financial advisors. You know, a lot of these younger investors don't have the minimums that they need to to invest with a financial advisor. So what's happening is you're finding these investors turning to other channels where they have access directly to stocks, right? And some of those other channels, you you know, obviously Robinhood being one of the largest, right? You've got Webull, you've got Betterment, you've got Sophie. So there's all these, this access. So if you couple the social movements we've seen in the past decade, which have been unprecedented, couple this, the largest wealth transfer we've seen in history, and then couple that with access to the capital markets, and you've got this perfect storm where young people who, are, who believe in these social movements have access to the markets and now will have the means with the great wealth transfer to drive significant change in companies. And you're already seeing that happen in some of the activist movements that I talk about in the book and that you can even see in the news. So there's an enormous amount of this already happening, Now couple that with the latest regulation you're seeing from the SEC. So in the past, if you wanted to vote a slate of board of directors, you either voted the company slate or you voted an activist slate. You couldn't vote across each one of them. The new rules that they have with uh, proxy voting, I can now vote for that incumbent director for a company and that activist new director that the, the activist is now promoting. So I can mix and match the voting. Um, that's going to make a lot of people uh, invest in firms that they truly believe in or want to see change. And uh, they have unprecedented capability to make that change happen now. And that that law, by the way, came out long after the book. Um, but you're seeing, I, I think the concepts that, I'm, that I talk about in the book and this vision that I see of this rise of the activist investor is it's coming true.
1: Of course. I mean, if these are things that people believe in, why shouldn't their portfolio align with their vision, values, and priorities for themselves and the world or for the world and themselves? So I know people are going to ask this, how is activist investing different from ESG, SRI? First it was socially responsible investing, then it became sustainable investing. So of course, we only have a short time, but enlighten us, if you will.
2: Sure. Um, if you take a look, we're trying to put a lot of different names on what is really this part of what's the activist investing arc that I cover in the book, right? So you can call it sustainable investing, carbon emissions investing, ESG investing, um, impact investing, faith-based investing. The reality of all of these things, by the way, there's a, we, we tend to throw this big umbrella over all of that called ESG investing. That's a horrible idea. If you look at ESG factors, there's 168 factors that you would cover when you talk about ESG. Let's just look at governance for a second. So governance factors, how many women are on the board? How many underrepresented are on the board? How many minor, um, how many employees are on the board? How many of the board members are truly independent? How many of the board members have experience in that industry, right? Um, Is the chairman and the CEO the same person? Those all fall under governance. So when you talk about just the G of governance, you know, of ESG, that's kind of a misnomer. You're not really talking about the factors that people care the most about. So I think what we're trying to do is throw labels on what is truly activism investing. If you're doing ESG investing, impact investing, sustainable investing, faith-based investing, what are you really doing? You're trying to put your money to act on your the behalf of your beliefs, so you're really trying to have your investments reflect your belief system. And that's what people are truly trying to do. So I think, you know, a lot of people ask me, well John, how does this compare to ESG investing? I think ESG investing is a speed bump for true activist investing, okay? And you're seeing that in some of the high net worth, right? High net worth individuals today, what's the what's the a lot of what financial advisors are talking about now is direct indexing. Why do you want to do direct indexing? Because you want to take out or add in investments that your high net worth investor cares about again it comes back to their beliefs if they didn't care if they if they had no uh problem whatsoever with sin stocks they wouldn't ask you to have a direct index that had no sin stocks in it so that you're seeing this rise of the activist investing already today i think a lot of people are are not or not recognizing it or trying to put a simpler label on it
1: I really love how you explained the G. The S, I tell people what is socially responsible for one person could be socially irresponsible for another. The S right in the middle. Environment, you all care about the environment. But the S and G, they're a little bit um harder to quantify and qualify. Um, so I know that I mentioned before we started that one of my favorite sections of the book, was the arc. I think we have time for you to talk about the arc of an activist investor.
2: So thank you very much. I mean the arc of the activist investor is actually, we have it right here in the book. That's the activist investor arc. And what what that basically does is it it helps people to really understand where are you in activist investing, right? Because think about it. When active your your level of activism is going to fluctuate. Okay. It's great if you want to be able to go, for example, some people who have, who attended the women's march that we talked about a moment ago, right? They're now having families. They're not about to go march on Washington again when they have children in tow. They might, they might, but if you have a baby, that might be really hard to do, right? If you have a young child, Um, especially with some of the, you know, if, especially if you're, if you're concerned at all about, you know, COVID and RSV and things like that. So, you're you may have been a really high participant activist earlier, but your life has changed a little bit, so you're going to wane back a little bit to more of a passive activist, right? Um, and then guess what's going to happen when your children get a little older? You're definitely going to come back to be a full activist again, um, because that's that's your belief system. So when you think about activist investing, we the arc starts with a passive activist. These are people who um, are aware of their or maybe. May are subconsciously aware of what some of their beliefs are, but they're not necessarily investing in them, right? So as an example, they may pick one set of investments, usually a mutual fund or ETF over a different set of investments because of that belief system. When you start getting into a casual activist, this is now someone who is going to be looking at specific investments, usually still again, ETFs and mutual funds that are going to align more with their value system. Those are your investors today that are talking to you about ESG, SRI, faith-based investing, impact investing. Then you start moving forward again on the activist, uh, on the activist arc. where you get to an active voter? These are the folks that get the proxy statement, they read the proxy statement, and they actually vote for your pro- in the proxy process. Now keep in mind, access to those proxies is also changing. Robinhood bought Say. Now they have they have the ability to provide. Um, voting capability directly in the palm of the investor's hand on their phone, right? Broadridge is another big one in this space, right? Uh, that's that's really trying to, to promote uh, active voting. So you've got technology firms that are promoting exactly what we're talking about here as an active voter in the activist investor arc. Then you get into beginning activists. These are people who have a very good understanding now of their, of their activist framework. They know what they want to invest in. And those folks are going to start driving more of an activist. Uh, They're going to be involved in activist forums. They're going to be reading activist articles. They're going to be looking at the following their companies much more closely. Then you start getting into influencer activists. Um, Influencer activists are just what it sounds like. They're going to be up on social media. They're going to be talking about the company. They're going to be generating a following around um, that particular company and their thoughts around that company. And then finally, you get to a professional activist. These are people who are going to launch a proxy vote. When you think about professional activists, that's no longer just the the hedge fund like engine number one or the individual investor, the individual rich investor, right, like a Nelson Peltz or a Ryan Cohen, if you think of GameStop, Ryan Cohen. These these, um, professional activists are now investing clubs that have access to these types of markets. If you think about 10 years ago and today, 10 years ago, institutional investors had the majority of AUM in the world. Today, 52% of the world's AUM sits in the retail investor space. Think about that. In the past, if ISS said to vote a certain way and the, the hedge fund owner or the ETF owner or the mutual fund owner wanted to vote along those lines, that had a lot of power. Today, much more of that power is now in the hands of the retail investor, which is going to really propel this professional activism into the hands of of, uh, individuals. And in the book, I cover that, you know, today you can get on a Discord server very easily. Um, There have been activist movements that started on Facebook. Um, There's a pretty good one that started on Facebook, uh, you know, where uh, employees got together on Facebook groups and voted together based on their, their discussions on a Facebook group. Um, and they were able to, to change the direction of a company's uh, hostile takeover actually by another hedge fund by voting against that hedge fund's board of directors because they got together on a Facebook group and, and banded together. So the technology access that people have today with you know things like Discord, which I talk about a lot in the book, or some of the other capabilities like you see on Facebook, Facebook groups, Facebook messaging, Snapchat, there is a huge opportunity for these activists to get together and be able to vote. Power
1: from the palm of their hand, harnessing their power. So I think you alluded to this earlier, but as we wind down, I know that in 401k plans, which is a place where a lot of people begin investing, access to ESG, SWI impact, um, let's put it this way, there's an opportunity for a lot of improvements. What do you think will be the effect on the rise of the activist investor, particularly as we think about 401k plans and so forth?
2: Well, when you think about 401k plans, you've got to also take into account that, you know, my generation, right, um, normally change jobs in a very small amount of time, right? On average, it was five to six times throughout their entire career. I was in technology, so I changed jobs a lot. Um, People can look at my LinkedIn and see that. Um, As a technology and sales leader, you jump around a little bit more than most. I was like Johnny Appleseed. I had 401ks laying around all over the place. And at some point I turned around and said, I need to consolidate all these together. Where did I go? I went to a financial advisor. I consolidated all of my 401ks with a single financial advisor under an IRA. I think when you look today, the average graduate coming out of school today will change jobs 12 times. So unless those 401k companies are actively pursuing uh, keeping those investments, those investments are gonna move. Um, they're gonna move either into another 401k or more likely than not, they're gonna to move to a, an IRA account that's managed either by the individual investor, in which case the world is their oyster, they can invest in whatever they want, or that's gonna to move to a financial advisor. And I think you're gonna see the, these activist investors, these more socially conscious investors, asking that financial advisor to have their investments reflect their values. So I think you're right. There's a lot of room for improvement in the 401k space. I think the 401k space, if, if anyone in the 401k space reads my book, I think it's going to be a huge wake up call to them that if they want to hold on to that AUM, they need to make changes in the sleep that they offer in the 401k and just in the way they're approaching young investors because they're approaching young investors the exact same way they approached me and that will not work moving forward.
1: Well, thank you for that. I think hope has a question. So
0: hope. Thank you. What I forgot to ask you in the beginning or say in the beginning was your three daughters inspired this book. Will you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, actually, um, the the title character, Eileen. So the book is set up where the first part of each chapter follows the story of Eileen, who you witness going through the activist investor arc. So you actually see her go from just a very passive investor, all the way to an activist who launches a proxy fight herself. And, you know, Eileen is actually named after my mom. And the three, the, the characters in the book do reflect my daughters and other people in my life. So, so um, they say, write what you know. And I think I wrote what I knew about activist investing, what I feel passionate about, and mixed that with some of my real life. But, you know, when you look at my three girls, they're entering the workforce right. They're in their twenties. I have two right now that are that are working, and I have one that's still in college and about to get out. You know, they are going to inherit the wealth that my wife and I have have accumulated, just like everybody else. And they are socially conscious. You know, um, one of my girls is a, a woman in STEM, and the other one is a woman in in healthcare. Um, both areas, by the way, are predominantly male dominated areas. And in both of those instances, you know, they they do want to invest in firms that reflect their values and they want to be able to have their money kind of driving some of the behavior that they see in the world today, especially in some of the companies that they invest in. So um, it's funny you mentioned 401ks because one of my girls has already changed jobs once. Um, so she now has an orphanized 401k that that we need to figure out, and she's gonna be figuring out with us what to do with. So you do you do find that, you know, what a lot of what I what I put in the book are things that I'm already seeing with my girls and with their friends, um, where they want to have access to the markets and they do have access to the markets today. Um, they may not have that access through traditional means, like a financial advisor or a broker dealer but they definitely have access to the markets and they want their investments to reflect their values. And at some point, unfortunately, I may not be here, <laughs> you know, and they're going to get that, uh, that money and they're going to want that money to also reflect their values. Uh, so that was a big inspiration in the book.
1: Thank you so much, Hope. And John, where can people learn more about your work? So here's where you share your websites or social media handles.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You can find me um, on, you can find the book on my website at john-o'connell.com. You can also find the book on Amazon. Um, From my website, you can jump over to my LinkedIn. You can also look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, My company on LinkedIn is called the Oasis Group. That's uh, the Oasis, O-A-S-I-S group, uh, G-R-O-U-P. So you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, and then all of our social handles you can find on either one of the websites that I just mentioned. Well, thank
0: you so much. Now back to you, Hope. Thank you, John. This is a great way to kick off 2023 with the activist investor. It's fantastic information. So thank you both for being here on today's episode of Margaritas with Margarita Cheng, CFP Pro. Cheers to you, Rita. Ready to kick off 2023 with John. So thank you all to our audience. We appreciate you listening in and we will talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you so much for being part of our Incandescent Radio and TV family. This is Hope Katz Gibbs, founder of Incandescent Incorporated, the PR and publishing company for women entrepreneurs. Our incandescent radio and TV shows are brought to you by our advertisers and clients. Margaritas with Margarita Chang, CFP Pro, brings us 15 minutes of tips every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live, where you'll meet experts who are helping us flex our financial muscles. Find all of the episodes at margaritachang.com. You'll also meet intuitive psychotherapist Kara Keem, who interviews therapists and other intuitive guides from around the world. Learn more at KaraKean.com. And you're going to love social justice expert, Karen Hanrahan, CEO of the San Francisco-based Glide Memorial Foundation. She bridges the gap from local impact to global change on her thought leadership show on incandescent radio. Learn more about Karen at karenhanrahan.com. You're also going to love Alina Liao, founder of the radical wellness journaling company, zenitjournals.com. Alina asks, have you tried to journal but found it hard to keep up? Zenit makes it easier to journal for your wellness. With Zenit, you can customize your journal with prompts that speak to you. No more blank pages. Your Zenit is your personalized space to take care of yourself. Website, ZenitJournals.com. Feel it, write it, Zenit. You'll also meet amazing Tracy Schott, founder of VoicesForChange.com. Tracy is determined to change the world and end domestic violence. Learn more at VoicesForChange. Net. And we are so thrilled to be publishing a book for Angela Mitchell, who is the tech expert of case management, and she's also the founder of this fabulous organization. Kids Code 2, she is determined to teach kids to code computers, talk about teaching a kid to fish. We invite you to discover and peruse all the Incandescent Incorporated websites, the magazine for women, by women, about women, incandescentwomen.com. Our health and wellness magazine is beincandescent.com, the business of mind, body, spirit, soul, and heart. Our YouTube channel is incandescent.tv, and you can learn about our PR and book publishing services at incandescent.us. If you'd like to have your own radio and video show, check us out at incandescentradio.com, where you can see what we can do for you. These podcasts are also featured on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Our podcasts are produced by Brandy Wilsker. Our videos are produced by Nelson Benavides. Our website developer is Max Kukoy, and our incandescent illustrator and designer is Michael Glenwood Gibbs. If you'd like to learn more, please send me an email, hope at Here is to your incredible, indelible, incandescent success. Much love and many thanks.